Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. What does freedom look like? As Americans, we might think to ourselves that we know. Freedom looks like baseball and mom and apple pie. Or freedom looks like our Bill of Rights. Freedom looks like never being a slave to anyone. We'll consider that in our sermon today, as Jesus shows us that freedom is really found in slavery to God. Our opening hymn is found for you on hymn number 238, and after hymn number 238, we'll continue in the front part of your red hymnal on page 15. God bless your worship. continue in the very front portion of your red hymnal on page 15. Please rise. We begin today, as always, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, 
and in trust me, my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Father has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Joseph. 
Before he died, your father commanded us, You are to tell Joseph, Please forgive the offense of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the offense of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down in front of him, and they said, See now, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring this to pass, and to keep many people alive, as it is this day. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will nourish you and your little ones. He comforted them, and spoke to them in a kind way. We continue with our psalm for today, Psalm 103, found on page 105 in the front part of your bedroom.
Our second reading from Romans chapter 14 will serve as the basis for our sermon today. Forgiveness from the Lord means freedom to serve one another. One person values one day above another. Another person values every day the same. Let each person be fully convinced in his own mind. The person who honors a certain day does this for the Lord. And the person who eats does this for the Lord because he gives thanks to God. And the person who does not eat does this for the Lord and gives thanks to God. In fact, not one of us lives for himself and not one of us dies for himself. Indeed, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason he died, rose and lived, to be Lord of both the dead and the living. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Alleluia. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Alleluia. lesson from Matthew chapter 18. Forgiveness from God is beyond any human comparison. Then Peter came up and asked Jesus, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, But I tell you, as many as seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle them, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Because the man was not able to pay the debt, his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, children, and all that he owed, to repay the debt. Then the servant fell down on his knees in front of him, saying, Master, be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. The master of that servant had pity on him, released him, and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out, he grabbed one of his fellow servants who owed him one hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began choking him, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and begged him, saying, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and threw the man into prison until he could pay back what he owed. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were very distressed. They went and reported to their master everything that had taken place. Then his master called him in and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt when you begged me to. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was angry and handed him over to the jailers until he could pay back everything he owed. This is what my Heavenly Father will also do to you, unless each one of you forgives his brother from his heart. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. I invite you to turn to page 18 in the front part of your right hand for our confession of faith. The Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated for our next thing. simple and quite familiar, especially if you are into sports, you can see it very plainly. When the team is losing, they have two options, depending on time, right? 
the team is losing the first option, they could go for the big play, the Hail Mary, get a touchdown, do an onside kick, and maybe make up 14, 21, 28 points in a relatively short period of time. Or, if they have the time, they can grind it out three or four yards at a time until they, they control the game and take back the tempo. Two options. And Satan knows them both. You see, last week's reading and this week really revolved around the same concept. The concept you see pictured for you on your bulletin cover. That of freedom. And Satan knows exactly what God has done. Satan knows that at the very beginning, God had promised to send a son. Satan knows And he knows today, because the very first thing that Jesus did when he rose from the dead, when he became alive again, he descended into hell to really trumpet his victory, to hold a Super Bowl parade through the streets of hell. And now? Now that he knows he has lost, he's got two options, two plays. Go for the big play. Or go for the the subtle three, four, two yards at a crack. The big play. Or something called Arianism as an example. Well, Jesus isn't, isn't really God from eternity. He's actually a man who, who became God. And it holds out the truth that you can find freedom if you subscribe to this belief and this set of this set of teachings. And if you live your life properly, then you will finally find freedom. That heresy, obviously, pretty pretty easy to pick out, at least most of the time. Just look at our Nicene Creed. True God, begotten of the Father from eternity, without beginning, without end. Well, He's always been God, He always will be God. And where this kind kind of comes together is that you and I, You and I, as we have been Christians for some time, it's very easy to to mentally kind of let go of some of these truths without noticing it. Because Satan's other play, as you perhaps know very well, the grinding and slow will take a, a little bit of a gain here and a little bit of a gain there. And so, the truth he proposes, well, as long as... As long as you hold on to the truth that Jesus is your Savior, that's all you need to know. And any thought of continuing to grow in one's faith, well, that's just stodgy, backwards, a little strict. The grinding play. Love doesn't talk that way. Love talks this way. The grinding attack. Two, three yards, taking a taking a defeat on occasion, but relentlessly pushing on every front because he knows the time is short, but the big play isn't going to work. Accusing. Oh, you're a Lutheran? Are you one of those, one of those strict Lutherans? That's, ah, it's a little backwards and out of step. But I'm all right with that as long as you keep it to yourself. 
And at every point, whether going for the big play, the, the central attacks of what Jesus has done in dying and rising literally and physically from the dead for all people, or the grinding slow play that tries to create doubt within the heart of the Christian, at every point, the yardage that we give up is the freedom that we share. What does that mean? What I'm saying is this. That the greatest treasure Jesus has won for you is your freedom. And I'm not talking about the fact that none of us is walking in chains in a slave work, slaving way in the field. I'm not talking about the fact that we have to live in fear of our enemies in this world. I'm saying that the greatest treasure Jesus has won for you is your freedom, spiritually. That when Adam and Eve fell into sin, when they jumped headlong, headfirst into sin, they willingly took up their chains until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he freed them. He moved them from, from the pile of condemned to the pile of forgiven. Now, obviously, the Old Testament believers, Adam and Eve, Noah and Abraham and everyone else, they were waiting and looking ahead to that day when the Messiah would finally come. And yes, they, they enjoyed heaven from that moment that their body and soul separated. But for you and for me, as well as for they, the greatest, the greatest treasure that God has won for us, the greatest treasure that our Lord won by dying and rising is your freedom. And what that means is exactly what Jesus, what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And they said, well, we've never been slaves to anyone. Forgetting, of course, that they had been slaves in Egypt. And Jesus repeats, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. So you and I, living in this world as the clock ticks down to Judgment Day, and the devil continues his two-yard, three-yard attacks, grinding away at your faith, trying to take back even the tiny bits of freedom if he can't lock the chains on you completely. The devil says, Well, Christian, that sounds like foolishness. Freedom isn't found in slavery to God. Freedom means doing what, I can, doing what I want to do, doing what I can do, and having no one impede on my own personal desires and wishes. Freedom means being able to do whatever I want and not have to deal with hearing or seeing or having any laws restrict me. That is freedom. But exactly what Jesus says is true and always will be true. The one who sins is a slave to sin. But you, dear Christian, have been set free. And that is the greatest treasure that Jesus has won for you. That freedom, of course, is, is grounded in the forgiveness of sins. That slaves who had been enslaved by sin, God says, your chains have been erased. And here is your citizen, citizenship card to heaven. The place of absolute freedom. The cross has been placed upon your head and upon your heart, and there you have been given freedom. Awesome. But at every point, 
Satan strikes back. Oh. But God has rules too, doesn't he? You don't want to follow, follow God's rules because that would surely take all the fun out of life. And the attack continues because, because that one's a pretty easy one. Going for the big play. Well, if we just throw out God's laws, then we'll be free. He tempts. The Christian laughs. <laughs> That's silly. God's word is God's word. But he pushes. And he says, but Christian, as long as you hold on to this one central core truth, that's all you really need. Right? He pushes, and he tempts, and he says, Dear Christian, I just want a little bit of your freedom. I just want you to buy into the notion that God is really an unjust judge who wants to take all the fun out of your life. And what is our response? This has been going and running rampant throughout the American church for nearly 80 years. That's what really prompted the Wisconsin and Missouri synods to separate, and then eventually what prompted the Missouri synod to discipline a number of their own pastors, who then ended up going to help start the ELCA. A little bit of church history, but the answer... The answer that we need to hold on to is found right here in our text. That is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Not one of us lives for himself, not one of us dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, you can think of it this way. The pagan philosopher Plato is still studied and read, and we've at least heard of the guy. I'm not talking about the, the mushy stuff that kids play with. It's a different kind of Plato. And this Plato had a picture where he said, well, imagine, imagine little children playing down at the seashore. And they're scampering about on the beach, and they sometimes, you know, go up into the hills a little bit. They come back down to the beach, but they don't know how far they can go. They go down to the shore. Maybe they'll get washed away, taken away in a riptide or a current. And he said, this pagan philosopher said, it's only when they have a fence that they have absolute freedom to play. It's only when they have a fence that they have absolute freedom to play. You see, the world will assert that, that freedom is found in throwing off every, every regulation, every command, every sort of law. But even Plato noticed, and Jesus, Jesus reiterates it, but in a far more godly way, that the only freedom you have is the freedom Jesus has won for you. And that freedom is within the fence God has set up. See, the freedom that God won for you, the freedom that Jesus won for you, is a freedom to serve one another and a freedom to serve the Lord. A freedom that says you as a Christian are now able to not sin. That's the, the blessed freedom of the children of God. Where we who had been slaves to sin, who could do nothing but sin, have now been bought and washed and set free. So that with your life, big events, small events, 
you are able to say, I can actually serve God here, heart and soul and mind and body, completely, through and through. But at every point, the freedom that Jesus has won for us is attacked by Satan. Going for the big play, going for the grinding, trying to constrict and take away the freedom that we have. So what is the glorious freedom, the blessed freedom of slavery to the Lord? Well, it's found first and foremost in this person of Jesus. You see, he's the central message of Scripture, but he's not the only message of Scripture. And when we talk about Jesus, it's not just, not just the concept of a guy who died on a cross halfway around the world two, two millennia ago. It's actually the Son of God. God from eternity and true man from the moment of his incarnation. And I think um, last week, last week our Bible study presenter spoke to this a little bit. That it's very easy for, for us Christians who are well acquainted with God's truth to kind of think of Jesus as almost a, a far off kind of a guy, a concept more than a person. But when he said last week, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with them. Just as present, bodily, spiritually, as when he stood in that empty room, or in that locked room on Easter Sunday evening. Not visibly, I'll grant you that. But our Lord says, wherever two or three are gathered together, there I am. Where Jesus is, there is freedom. And the Jesus who that we talked about this last week in our CAP class on Tuesday evening, and yesterday in our Bible instruction class, and we'll talk about this next week in our catechism class, this Jesus, we talk about him as having three offices, or three duties, right? Prophet, priest, and king. And we, we get that, and we know that. But he still carries that out today, through you and through me. That is to say, Jesus still wants to extend his freedom further, to bring more people into his, his kingdom of freedom. So as, as prophet, during his time on earth, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God, and he still does that today through you, through Christians. He announces, dear friend, your sins are forgiven. Or, the, the opposite, dear friend... Your unrepentance forfeits your forgiveness. Repent and return to the Lord. And where there is Jesus, there is freedom. And priest. Our great high priest offered himself on the cross and now intercedes for you and for me. And we, who follow in his footsteps, we point to this fact that the Lord who won your freedom is the Lord who still pleads on your behalf. And King, that the Jesus who drove out Satan and crushed sin and death and the devil has really set you free. He has freed those who were held in slavery to their fear of death. Which is to say that since Jesus has risen from the dead, there's absolutely nothing to fear. Because where Jesus is, there is freedom. Freedom from fear. Freedom from sin. Freedom... To be united with God today and forever. And the sort of the sort of freedom 
that no one can take away from you. That even though Satan will tempt and say, well, you can find freedom by setting aside some of God's laws. The freedom that Jesus gives is found in his word. Unchanging. Where he describes the Christian life beginning to end and says, dear Christian, you have been given fullness and freedom in Christ and this is the word of your loving Lord who wants you to be free. And so, Jesus, as our prophet and our priest and our king, still says to you and to me, dear Christian, you've been set free. There is nothing to fear. And so, the point that Paul is making here, finally, in Romans chapter 14, the point that Paul is making is that as Christians, we do all that we can to preserve this freedom. Whether that means standing up for this freedom, when somebody says, prompted by the devil, I would say, when somebody says, dear Christian, you cannot do this because it's wrong, but God's word has not spoken to it, then the Christian can say, well, actually, the freedom that our Lord has won for us means that we can. And when the Christian recognizes that this this other person coming from a background where their conscience is burdened, perhaps unduly, but burdened, the Christian can say, well, I'll use my freedom and share some of this freedom by refraining from what I would do, or refraining from insisting on my way. The slavery to the Lord means service to one another. And the slavery to the Lord is the freedom that Jesus has won for you and for me. Obviously, the forgiveness of sins, the ability to to serve God and refrain from sin, actually. The freedom to speak about our Lord as the one who has conquered sin and death and the devil, and the freedom of the Lord who now says, you've been set free. You've been set free, and that's true, and it's straightforward, but you've been set free to serve. Serve God and one another with your freedom, by bearing witness to the freedom in how you act and in what you say and in in the words that you use. Whether last week's gospel lesson, bearing witness to the freedom that says, Dear Christian, you are enslaving yourself through unrepentant sin. Dear Christian, you've been set free by our forgiving Lord. Or today's gospel lesson, where the Christian who has been set free recognizes the treasure that this freedom really is. A treasure that means I don't have the right to hold a grudge against somebody else. But I've got the freedom, the freedom, the enslaving, beautiful, forgiveness, freedom to forgive somebody else even when they have hurt me deeply. Because why? Because the glorious freedom that Jesus has won for you and for me means that our Lord is more than able to restore anything that we give up as, as we let go of that grudge. The glorious freedom that our Lord has won means that He is able to give freedom now and forever in the kingdom of heaven and for heaven's sake. What sort of a grudge that we could hold here would ever compare with the eternity of sinless forgiveness, holy freedom in sight of God.
So as we wrap up, the only thing I'll add is that that is the freedom we have today. It's not just a freedom that's a long way off, waiting until we see Jesus face to face. It's a freedom that is ours today, because our Lord has promised to be wherever two or three are gathered together. Our Lord has promised to forgive whenever the word of forgiveness is spoken. Our Lord has promised to be present, body and blood, to say, Dear Christian, here is the blood of the Lamb of God. He now marks the door to your heart. You've been set free. So go. Be free. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We continue with the Creating Me as found on page 20 in the front part of your red room. to your good purpose. <laughs>
Strengthen us in soul and body, that we may do what is pleasing to you and beneficial to all people. Compel us by the self-sacrificing love of Christ, and empower us by the gifts of your Holy Spirit to be witnesses of your gospel freedom in words and in actions. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for all. And we also join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. shepherd his flock until he comes again in glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all your sins. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all your sins. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. Take and Now may this true body and blood of our Savior strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. You part at peace with God, sins forgiven, set free. Amen.
Savior, Jesus Christ, even if you die, for the forgiveness of all your sins. Take and eat, this is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you. Now may this true body and blood of our Savior strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Depart at peace with God and set free by the forgiveness of sins. Continue with the song of Simeon on page 24. Please rise.
thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us with this Holy Supper. We pray that through it, you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for our final hymn. 